time, I would like to call on Doyle Carter with our first message. Be part of the solution, kingdom of God, sir. And good morning, everyone. It almost became the sermon that had a question mark. Just while I'm setting up, I'll explain. If you don't get your information to Brian quick enough, if he doesn't know, they'll put a question mark up there. So this is going to, I was, I was going to joke and say this was like my mystery sermon. But I got it to him in time. I almost forgot. It's been such an active feast. I almost lost my voice the other night in the raffle. Just another moment here. My title, of course, is to be a part of the, the solution, the, kingdoms, the kingdom of God. As you know, or aware, I'm sure everybody is, because the press harps on it pretty heavily, the candidates, we've had the candidates speaking at the, you know, they get together for their conference or whatever they call it, and they'll sit there and give you all their solutions, which they probably could never implement if they wanted to, and probably wouldn't do anyway. It's to sway the voters. I think it's too early anyway. But they promise us the moon. They promise they'll solve our problems as the United States, make it the best country in the world. They promise everything. But we know the real answer. No, they won't do that. That is not the solution. They don't know the answer. And they, if they even did, they couldn't implement it or apply that solution anyway. They couldn't do it. I mean, there's just too much going against them. But we do know in this church, we, from the Bible, what we read in the Bible, we do know the solution. It is the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ coming to reign on earth to correct everything with justice. And I like what Steve called it. He called it, and this part, is, part of this comes from Steve a little bit. It's the, it, he had a sermon entitled, The Kingdom Solution. And he said basically the same thing in his intro, that the only solution for man now at this point is God's kingdom and Jesus Christ being ruler. We know the world's going to get worse, unfortunately. We see that in Matthew 24, 21 through 22. Jesus himself says it. For then there will be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days should be shortened, no flesh should be saved alive. But for the elect's sake, these days will be shortened. So God he even warned his own disciples, there'll be a day that no flesh will be saved alive. We'll get to the point that it will just be a total annihilation. But the good news is God ain't going to let that happen. And that's the good news. And he plans to stop it for us. And I'm kind of glad we so if we stay with him. We'll be like the elect. I thought we'd go ahead in this point, at this part, go ahead and look at the, the, a brief look at what the kingdom of God will be like. And I didn't want to beat Isaiah 2, Isaiah 2, 1 through 4 to death, so I thought I'd pick Micah 4, 1 through 3. But, isn't, but this scripture is like a nutshell of what the kingdom of God would be like, even just the basics. There's a lot behind it, but this is the basics. It says, And now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and the people shall flow to it. Many nations shall come and say, uh, sorry about that. 
Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways, and we will, we will walk in his path. For, for out of Zion shall go forth the law, go forth, and let me say again, for out of, the, of Zion the law shall go forth, I told you I'm so used to the other one, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he shall judge between many people and rebuke strong nations afar off. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up nation against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Like I say, that's just a brief synopsis. I mean, there's a lot of things like animals will be at peace. And, I mean, but we learn that Jerusalem would be the capital of the world at that point. There will be nations, and God will come down and judge them. We also see that out of Jerusalem, and I did pick, bring this up as a prop in a sense, the word of the Lord will be all over, not the Bible itself, but the word of the Lord, the contents, and the law. There will be no more war. So what we're hearing in the news about ISIS and all that, that just I was eating with someone this evening, this afternoon, and my dandruff went up. When, this morning I had breakfast. It was like watching some of the stuff on the news. That won't be there. It'll be almost like my mom, let's see, just to digress temporarily, but my mom remembers news. I'm looking at him because he might actually know what I'm talking about. I'll say a, kid, a president that I didn't even know, would not have known. She remembers sitting with her dad, watching the news, and hearing news that President Eisenhower had a bad day at golf. She remembers that. She told me that, and then her dad, my, my grandfather, told me that told her that, that it would get worse. And my mom went, pa, whatever. He was a pretty smart man. He knew. But she said, don't you wish news was like that? The president just had a bad day at golf. No big deal. You know, everybody's good. But like I said, wait, we do have a, we will have our part in this solution. Because when you go to Revelation, I just picked this one. There's a whole bunch of areas. But in this case, Revelation 20, 4 through 5. I'm not going to read it all. I'm going to be a little selective, but it'll say the point. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was committed, was committed to them. And to skip down to, okay, we'll go to the last verse of that actual verse, or last sentence. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years, but the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years was finished, and this is the first resurrection, which is what we all desire to be in is the first resurrection. Partly it's because our physical bodies get a little old, part of that. That's part of it, because the first resurrection we're promised a spiritual body where we can go in and jump up and down, never feel aches and pains. Now, 21, I didn't feel like in pains, hardly. Now it's like, eh, but. But we, but we as you see, we will give uh, judgment, we will reign. That doesn't mean we're going to sit around and play harps all day like the, like the Protestants tell us. And you don't want to hear me play a harp anyway, everybody leave the room. He would take it away from me in five minutes flat. Hey, you can't even play this thing. And don't sing. It's not that right off the bat. You know, the Protestants believe that we go to heaven, play harps, and look in Jesus' face for eternity. That part may not be so bad, but the harps sitting in one spot. Look at those kids in there. They can't sit in one spot for two minutes. What makes you think? <laughs> and I get hyper. Well, let's, you know. But I wanted on this to give three points on how we can achieve, or at least three basic points we can achieve. There's probably a lot more, but this is three I think were important. We can achieve our ability to get into the kingdom of God and be part of that solution. First, 
We are to overcome the world until the end. And, and as a qualifier, because I thought about that one, we don't over, overcome by ourselves. We have to have our big brother Jesus Christ to come into our lives and help us. It says, in, it's just as my reference, Revelation 2, 26 through 27. I'm so used to seeing it on the back wall, Brian. That's why I keep looking over here. Our church has it in the back and the front. So some, and sometimes our speakers actually look in the back and read it. But it says, He who overcometh, or comes, and keeps my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and they shall dash the pieces like the potter's vessel. So here it even shows we're going to rule also if we overcome. But we must overcome. But as we know through various, as we know through the various holy days we go through, like the days of unleavened bread, Passover, we need Christ in our life to do that. We can't do it on our own. I we all I can't speak for you, but I mess up on a daily basis. I'm just happy I'm not married to someone to tell me what my daily basis ir- problems were. <laughs> And you know, I might want to watch what I wish for. <laughs> but Christ came to help us out and to make sure that we can make it. Because it says in Hebrews 2, 17 through 18, Therefore in all things he, Christ, had to be made like his brethren, and he, that he might be merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make petition for the sins of the people, because that's what separates us from God, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. He is a helper for us. The other thing, and it was already mentioned by one sermon, and I should have noted it out, but we are to draw near to God on a daily basis, sometimes an hourly basis, depending on what the situation is. It says in James... 4, 7, and 8 says, Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he shall flee from you. Draw near to God, and he, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinner, and purify your heart, you double-minded. So we see, when James wrote this, he said we are to submit to God. So we don't just go off willy-dilly and do our own will. We're to submit, because God knows what's best for us anyway most of the time. If we don't think we think that's true. We're just like the children. We don't, we're like his children. We don't know, you know, sometimes we don't know what's best, and we have to submit. And, and how would we draw near to God? Well, one, you could do Bible study, like Ian did last night when he did his on Jerusalem, and he's doing some others. You can do Bible study in your room. We can do Bible study in our private like in my case, I'm doing, I'm reading the whole New Testament all over again. Well, Acts on, and I'll go back to Jesus and go on over. But Bible study, so it's in here. We can start ingraining it in our minds. Prayer, direct communication to God. He's open to us all the time. Unlike my cell phone in Silver Dollar City, which had mild connection, God gets it. When you send a message and pray, He hears it instantly. You've got meditation, so you can actually... Bring it into, make it part of you. And so you actually know what, and fasting. So you've got time off while you're doing all that. So if you have a real problem, if something really needs serious, you can sit down and stop. Okay, we're not going to cook, eat, do anything, and I'm going to really focus. And, it, and I was just going to point out, we do have to resist the devil. 
I'm not really going to go into that as much, but when he does interfere, because we mentioned it several times, there were some things in the feast where it didn't work right, and I like Ken's expression, you know, I can blame the devil, why not, you know, because he probably doesn't, he, he doesn't want us here, because we're learning God's word, and we're trying to draw near to God by keeping the feast like he told us in the first place. The next one, the third one, is not to conform to the world. And in, in my verse on this one is Romans 12, 1 through 2, or 1 and 2. I Paul writes, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We had many sermons to help us out on this one here at the feast itself. Matthew Steele, he had one on forgiveness, which I've seen unforgiveness destroy people's lives. Uh, I won't mention it, but my, one of my relatives, We'll just put it that way, just keep it impersonal. Did not forgive her sisters, and thus hated, I mean, she might as well just said hate. Use the word hate. It might as well have been that, because she would discourage. And she died miserable and lonely. And my mom actually went to see, okay, I'll say grandma. My, my mom actually got to talk to him, and it turns out they have repented, changed. They had families then, because remember, this was 19. Realize my grandmother died at 80-something. She, and this all happened at 19. These people grew up, had families, kind of matured like we all do all the time. And she just didn't forgive them, wouldn't talk to them. And it was, you could see the, the harm that caused. And that's true in us if we get unforgiving with people. It, it, it just doesn't work. And like Matt did a good sermon on that. Sean did, went into the one about family, where we are to be family. And I mean a functional family, not like the world portrays, but a functional loving family like God would once our art with the true worship you know true worship from in here not any location but from here and the many others i mean we i just didn't want to list them all because we were here but you know but the many other things we've learned that will help us renew basically transform our renew our minds and our bible studies when we get home we'll do the same thing and when we get together at sabbath because we know that the feast is there's a bigger picture when it comes to the feast because this is just a rehearsal. As it says in Colossians 2, 16 and 17, it's just, just as a reference to this. So let no, no, let no one judge you in food or in drink or in regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are shadows of things to come, but the substance, of, substance is of Christ. These are just shadows of things to come. We're just practicing. And unfortunately, the practice goes too quick. That was my first response. It's like I was actually joking with someone. I said, can we put all the first day stuff back out and just pretend it, we can do it again? But it just goes too quick. It's a quick rehearsal. But we learn and we get to know each other, and it's a good thing there. We're also told, this is a reference there, to seek the kingdom of God first. I couldn't let this one out since we're using, we're be part of the solution. In Matthew 6, 31 through 33, it says, and this is something I have to get over because sometimes I worry too much about things. I know my mom does. 
It says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall I, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall I wear? For after all these things, the nations or Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So he's aware of it. Then, he, then Jesus says, but first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things shall be added to you. He will take care of it. As I was telling someone, God knows our limitations. You know, when things don't always go right or jobs don't go, he's in control. He's not going to let us fall through the net, as my expression goes. As long as we first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he will make sure that we're taking care of his food, water, shelter, and the things we need for life. He won't give us a million dollars. That'd be nice. But he will make sure we have all our needs. But basically, to summarize what I was wanting to say today, is that God will take care of us as long as we seek his kingdom. And seeking his kingdom involves overcoming the world with Christ's assistance because we always sin and because of his shed blood we actually get forgiveness so we can continue on. We also are to draw near to God in the sense of Bible studies, prayers, keeping the feast, the holy days, the things he requires us. And to resist the devil and to and he will clean our lives and we are not to conform to the world which that's a hard one because I mean that's just can be with the peer pressures like when Christmas comes around at work I didn't realize they were so religious over there I will have to deal with that actually I despise Christmas so really that might not be so hard it'll be more of not of a conformity it'll be more of a Ugh. but but it can be hard because it's all around you for that two months they've already put Christmas stuff in Walmart and it's like it's not even Thanksgiving guys come on get, get your holidays in line first but, you know, we're not to conform, but transform our minds to the way that God wants it to be. So when that first resurrection comes up and we get the chance to be part of that kingdom solution to go out and stop things like ISIS and stop people from doing harm to other people and start teaching and we'll have our part in it, we'll be ready. So I hope everyone has an awesome feast today, our feast this year.